Hi, I'm Kieran, a renter who just wants loft access, but my landlord won't give it to me. And I'm Jacob, the ear whose reason this episode is so late entering your feeds. And this is... Pop Goes, goes Capitalism. We really watched it. <laughs> So how are you? Oh man, I'm 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 all right. I'm I'm alive at least. Yeah. 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 So um, for the record, uh, this was like the whole idea of this podcast was like release it on like the last day of the month, and then it's like a roundup of uh, April. But uh, lol, it's May because my ear kind of exploded, and like not just like kinda, it was really feckin' bad. And Oof. very painful. You know the sort of pain where even like the most workaholic amongst us, such as myself, are just like lying in bed like I cannot <laughs> I can't cope. Yeah. That that was me for like the majority of like the last maybe two weeks at this point. It's been bad. I remember you initially messaged me and said, Can we delay it by a day? Yeah. <laughs> that was very and then, optimistic. And then like a day or two later you messaged and you were just like Nah, it's bad. <laughs> I was so concerned for you. At yeah. first, it was just that I couldn't hear out of the ear, so that was like a pain, but manageable. I still can't hear out of the ear. But um, then I had like a night where you know when you just don't sleep, you like get a tiny bit of rest, but then yeah. the pain wakes you up. Did that. Went to the doctors. Oh. The doctors refused to see me because, of course, uh, the NHS is failing. Thank you, Tory government. Um, mm-hmm. And so they were like, we can give you a phone appointment. I took the phone appointment in my one good ear in the reception of the doctors that were phoning me. Wait, wait, huh? What? <laughs> because what? I was in so much pain. I was like, if they... Because we don't have a car. <gasps> I was like, if they, if they ask me to come back in another taxi when I'm feeling this oh. ill. I don't I don't want to. So I just stayed in the reception. Oh my goodness, that is absolutely wild to me. That's like everything that's everything wrong with the system now. Oh. That's so strange to me. It truly is. It was definitely a, a, like a moment, but I was in so much pain. My mom was like, "We could go to the coffee shop." And I was like, "I can't walk." <laughs> oh no. So yeah, uh, a lot of pain, hence why the episode's delayed. But then again, saying that, it's only the 3rd of May. I thought I was going to have to delay it for a lot longer. I am feeling much better. Despite having no hearing, (laughs) I'm feeling a hell of a lot better now. I think think this timing, actually, just for this specific news round, kind of works better with one of your news stories we'll we'll (laughs) get onto as well. Yeah, like I think it's, it's the perfect release window. Really good seg on your part as well. Shall we get into some chit-chat? Yes, chit-chat. So, in the April charts, Calvin Harris and Ellie Goulding did it again, with their new collaboration Miracle soaring to number one. Lewis Capaldi's lovable persona has earned him another number one too on the charts, with his new single Wish You The Best. Ed Sheeran, however, might have his eyes closed, as the lead single from his upcoming album, Subtract, has been slowly sinking down the charts, currently sitting at number six. Also in April. Transport Secretary Mark Harper, a name I've 
never heard. Um, so it really shows how well they're doing. Uh, it says a fair and reasonable payoff has been made to the uh, railway unions. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really explain why a bunch of trains are going to be unavailable on the day of the Eurovision final. But it could be why Davido's track of the same name has been hanging around the bottom of the top 100 in the last <laughs> month. Um, so this guy, Mark Harper, was on the Laura Koonsberg shit show, which was on the last day of April, hence why I actually have this story now, because it happened uh, after our original recording day. Uh, and he was asked about the upcoming rail strike. I don't watch Laura Koonsberg. I just want to make that extremely clear. <laughs> I just For the record. This. I just need that on the record. That I can't stand her. But... Uh, <laughs> He was asked about it on the show, and then a news article came out about it, about the upcoming strikes in May, which are going to hit people travelling for the Eurovision Song Contest and the FA Cup Final, one of which is significantly more important, in my opinion. But, you know, he insists <laughs> that a fair and reasonable payoff has been made. Oh, um, just because he insists it doesn't mean it's true. And mm-hmm. he said it's inexplicable to him that the RMT executives is not putting the pay offer to its members and says that the uh, strikes are going to hit. Get ready for this one. Fucking line of the century. Ukrainians travelling for the Eurovision Song Contest! Oh, oh I can't. <laughs> we brought the war into it. It's their favourite thing to do. I'd I, love to help I, him know. understand how... How much nuance is needed here? My only criticism <laughs> of the strikes from like a personal perspective is that they didn't bring them a like week earlier because so they can target you know the, the coronation of the the fucking king. That mm-hmm. shit would have been so funny to witness in like every major news outlet being like Mick Lynch, more like Mick Lynch him. <laughs> that no, yeah, I think that would have actually sent the media into a complete. Like they wouldn't have survived. survived. They wouldn't have known how to have coped. I can just imagine like ever. presenters trembling live on air in silence. They were putting on their black suits this. and shit. Yeah. Laura uh, Kingsburg, how could they? <laughs> they stopped the persons from coming to see the fucking third <laughs> child be king. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, my initial thought when I read this story was like, since when did the Tories care about gay rights? You know, why are we bringing Eurovision into it? But they do because of the war, because then no, they can oh be like, oh, fuck Russia and also China for some reason. <laughs> like, I, I like, honestly, some days I feel like if I like turned on like the BBC News at six and played a shot game of like every <laughs> inappropriate reference to Ukraine, I feel like I'd be like passed out on the sofa by half past oh like i was gonna I, say at least seven but you know i i don't know well i guess it depends what you're shot in but <laughs> no but like i <laughs> I, I don't know how I, alcohol I, works i'm 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 like so over it like it and i just for the record like obviously you know pro-ukraine in all of this and <laughs> like the war in the war is horrific but but like Stop bringing it up where it's not relevant. I, mm, I don't know. This is this is one of the things about war that gets me the most because I dislike war considerably. Yeah, I really don't like it. Um, on both sides, like I won't say mm-hmm. Ukraine are innocent 
in like their handling of the situation. I will say that I fucking hate what war does to people, even if it's yeah. people defending their homes. Um, and just bringing it up in the most casual of conversation, it's a fucking song contest. Well, yeah, exactly. It's going to hit the Ukrainians traveling to Eurovision. What about the Ukrainians trying to fucking escape? Yeah, I, I'm pretty certain the U- Yeah, that's actually a great point. Like, I don't think the Ukrainians are going to be like, laying awake lying awake at night like fucking crying because oh my goodness i couldn't get the train to the eurovision Fuck, song contest the like, 1005 of vanti west coast service to liverpool <laughs> lime street was cancelled god damn this is worse than the invasion of my no. home country <laughs> like it's so strange it's, it's so, so strange karen what else has been happening in uh april's charts oh well, Anne-Marie is slowly climbing up the charts with her collaborators David Guetta and Coy Ray as she sings Baby Don't Hurt Me. <laughs> the song is currently sitting at number 19 on the charts. In a similar vein, the BBC sang Baby Don't Hurt Me to the richest man in the world this month, or last month now, <laughs> as Elon Musk slapped them with the government-funded label on Twitter. The BBC contested this label, saying that it's funded primarily through the licence fee. Twitter has since changed the label from government-funded to publicly-funded. Wow. In a move that the BBC welcomed. (laughs) With this being said, the relationship between the government, the BBC and the public has come under a lot of scrutiny recently. Just last week, Richard Sharp stepped down as the BBC's chairman following allegations that he helped Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister at the time, secure an £800,000 loan just weeks before he was recommended for the job of chairman of the BBC by Boris Johnson. (sighs) Oh my, I wish you could hear eye rolls. Yeah. Um, On a deeper level, though, the BBC and the government are intricately linked. And in an environment within which the government is currently threatening to revoke the licence fee and force the BBC to find alternative funding models, there's surely a pressure upon the BBC to placate the government. So, Jacob, I have to ask you, did the BBC have a right to get pissy over its government-funded media label? This feels like such a non-issue. Like, publicly (laughs) funded is funded through the licence fee, which is like a tax, which is paid to the government, who then pay the BB... It it is, like, governmentally funded. I know there's, like, small technicalities in both of those, like, labels, but really not that different. I mean, government-funded, publicly funded, it's very similar in my mind yeah in my mind too and i think that i think that yeah publicly you you mentioned tax and i hadn't thought about this in relation to this story but while we're on the topic of tax and the license fee the license fee and the way it's enforced is so fucking disgusting and it makes taxation look quite friendly actually you know <laughs> like that that tv license company are absolute assholes i have 
I have no time with them knocking on your door, being like, oh, you don't pay a licensee. No, I don't, because I, I, I don't watch TV. Leave me alone. isn't plugged in and they'll still be sending you letters like you haven't paid your license fee. What's up with that? Wink, 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 wink. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then they and then they make you go online and and write the and fill out the form. <laughs> they make and, you swear uh, allegiance that you're definitely not watching TV live. Oh goodness! You know what though? We tried not to pay the license fee a while ago. <laughs> How did it go? And, well, we wanted to watch The Apprentice. So Rico and I share a BBC account. Okay. So he he fucking logs into the BBC account. And watches The Apprentice, not realising that that I I made the account and put my address in. So then they send us an email like, we got you, bitch. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so then Shit. we ended up paying it. But now we're not watching any BBC shows and we've recently moved house. So... Our licence fee ends on the third, ended on the 30th and we're not paying it. Way. So, you know, and and if they want to go to the effort to scour through this fucking podcast to hear that, then well done, you know? But, we're only but 15 they're not minutes going in, to... we're not deep enough yet. <laughs> we <laughs> can't should have this. until we I should have left this <laughs> No, honestly, I just, I literally, the, the vitriol I have for them, I... Oh. Fucking yeah, abysmal. but um, but government funded, publicly funded. I mean, all, I I think you know the BBC's like, oh, but if you say it this way, then I'd be a little bit happier. But but I mean, neither label really addresses the political influence of the government on the BBC through the the charter regularly being. I don't know what the verb is for it, like redone or updated. I think it would be genuinely fascinating if I could, like, peer into the void and look at the alternative timeline where Jeremy Corbyn has been, like, PM for (gasps) God knows how many years now and see if they really stuck to their guns of being influenced by the government or whether it really is just full of Tories. (laughs) Because having been a former BBC freelancer myself, I can tell you quite confidently... I'm not sure they would have let Corbyn be PM unproblematically the way they did with Boris Johnson, Elizabeth Truss, killed the Queen, and <laughs> Rishi Sunak, rich boy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, Liz Truss. Never forget, never forgive, never forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, uh, so <laughs> what what other stories would you like to talk about, Jacob? Uh, it's been looming over us forever, <laughs> and now it's just around the corner. It's the coronation of fucking King Charles number three. Woo! Entering the chart late in April was Ice Spice's track, Princess Diana. Can't <laughs> say I've listened to it, but I'm guessing it's in there as it's... Diana's attempt, or at least the start of her attempt, to overshadow the entire process of this coronation (laughs) during May, in which the public, e.g. me and Kieran right here, have been asked to swear our allegiance to our glorious leader. I can't, I can't. This is a homage of the people. It's going to replace this, like, traditional thing where they get a load of, like, rich people called peers that are in the House of Lords or whatever to do this thing where they swear allegiance to the new monarch, etc., etc. Instead, what they thought would be lovely for us all to do is um, a chorus of millions 
And how this is meant to play out is some cunt in the palace will go, <laughs> All who so desire in the abbey and elsewhere, say together, I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law, so help me God. Which I think the last bit was added by me because <laughs> so help me God is something I say quite a lot. So help me fucking <laughs> God. Um, but I have not made that up. That is 100% real and what people are going to be asked to say on Saturday morning uh, in the UK. <laughs> in the press release it says it's going to be followed by a fanfare so I imagine that's sort of what's going to happen. It's the da, 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 Or you never know. Oh, what are I your wish. plans then, Kieran, for this momentous occasion? Okay, so my plans are probably going to go a little in the morning because I want to oh. get the £1.50 fruit and veg boxes made <laughs> Every little helps. Uh, yeah. Um, maybe go to the range, buy some some light bulbs. I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a nice, it's going to be a nice Saturday. I was considering... On Thursday, uh, dyeing my hair half red, half blue, because <laughs> like I'm actually dead. Sorry, I'm serious. The record, the recording cut out. I said on Thursday I plan on dying. Oh no! Oh! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! That's not oh. the same. I'm going to rip my own skin off quite oh soon, but. Uh, <laughs> Oh, dyeing your hair is also valid. Um, yeah, because what I thought is that then on Saturday, I'm going to walk around outside <laughs> and everyone's going to think I'm like a raging royalist lunatic. But in reality, I'm actually just dyeing it for a bit of fun for Eurovision the next week. Ah, oh, you've got to get your hair ready, of course. Yeah. So, so those are... Those are my plans. I'll, I'll probably tune into the coronation. I have to say, so that I could, more of a hate watch, you know. <laughs> hate watch. Of course, I won't be watching it live because then I'd have to buy fucking TV. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be watching it on YouTube a minute delayed, so it won't be live. On YouTube.gov. Um, yeah. <laughs> The license free. The license fee is free on Coronation Day because they they're trying to get the numbers in because uh, according to like some sources, uh, not many people are planning to actually even be involved in it. But in my middle class ass neighbourhood, they're doing a street party. Oh, they're not. No, they absolutely, the fuck are. Is there going to be free food? Because you see, that'd get me out for a couple minutes. I guess. Like I'd be like, to, God you have save to, like, the RSVP, mm. and my uh-huh. my family are going elsewhere to my nans. I'm going to Scotland the next day because I decided to be as far away from London as possible. So I'm going to right to the north of Scotland. That's a um, good idea. Yeah. But I'm going on the day of the street party, which means to get out, <gasps> I've got to walk through. Oh no! So I'm gonna be like. I, I I don't I, I don't I've got to plan my escape route, but it's 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 bad. It's the street party is happening in so many streets. Oh, We're gonna have a lot of avoidance to do, and I just don't know how I'm gonna do it. But um, yeah, there's only one person I'll be swearing my true allegiance to on <laughs> Saturday, and that is to Charles Spring 
of the Heartstopper Cinematic Universe. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yes, I support that. Yeah. And after blasting through this week's, this month's chit-chat... Wow. I think it might be time for a wee deep dive. Today we're talking about masters. Not our capitalist overlords who oppress us on a daily basis... And not the people you meet in your kinky roleplay fantasy in the darkest, most twisted recesses of your mind. No, today we're talking about Taylor Swift's master recordings. Now, Jacob, before we get into the juicy drama, I need to ask you, would you consider yourself a Swifty? (laughs) Ah, I've been... (laughs) I've been pondering this for fucking ever. (laughs) Such a loaded question. And I know that's not the hardest question on here by far. (laughs) Would I consider myself a Swifty? I don't know. Okay. I like certain Taylor Swift eras, let's say. Like big Uh fans of certain eras and less so of other eras. And as a person, I think she's solid. Um, but uh-huh. I do have my like criticism, so I'm not like I feel like Swifty is like code for Stan. I'm not a Stan. I'm just mm-hmm. a casual enjoyer of certain songs and eras of hers. I would say I'm like musically almost a Stan in terms of music. <laughs> almost a Stan. Almost a Stan. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Getting. Yeah, I'm in the. I'm in the. I'm in the grey line. I'm in the. Uh, yeah. In the grey area. <laughs> Yeah. So um so what would you say is your favorite Taylor Swift song and or album? I think my favorite album is Reputation by like mm. a hot mom. <gasps> no fucking way. That, really? That album came <gasps> out the sort of era where I was going through maybe not similar things cuz I have no money, but similar like <laughs> you know feeling like the enemy in university yeah. and feeling out of place yeah. and just wanting to be the like yeah look what you made me do bitch um yeah and from that album then my favorite song of hers maybe controversially is dancing with our hands tied i relate Ooh. to that i like a lot it's a good song awesome i love dancing that that i forget whether it's it's dancing with our hands tied yeah yeah i think it's something yeah like i love that song i love it such a good deep cut yeah so for for my favorite album i would say that like it's kind of split i would say that her best album i think is red mm, but solid album my favorite is also reputation because rico <laughs> and i had been going out for three months at that point it was the first <sighs> album we like sat oh. down and listened to as a couple and we were both like just so shocked Uh, like on a personal level like I just love that genre of music it's not only album she did it for yeah and yeah I love it and I would say that my favorite song there are like way too the problem with Taylor Swift is she has been so many different artists already Mm. in her career (laughs) that it's like very difficult to just say like this one song yeah but I would say that Ready For It is really up there because I think it's like... It's a good song. Some of her best lyricism and melody writing, but then coupled with this synth-pop production that I just live for. Oh, it's good. It's so good. Was, yeah. was, 
were we like did we know each other around the time that I did the sort of my own reputation thing no I don't think so open up your discord real quick oh my goodness okay okay right I'm here (laughs) I can't remember what the fuck was going on but I I did my own edit oh my god of the reputation thing (laughs) Ah! Oh 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 I love it I was really mad. I think at someone in particular at university and I spiraled <gasps> and I was just oh like, okay, God. let's let's fucking do like a whole like poetry ass thing and make it Taylor Swift themed. I love that. So yeah, uh yeah, I, I do I do enjoy that album quite a lot. I, I uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually quite sad I still don't have a physical copy of it. I like to get physical copies of albums that I really like. Oh, I do as well, but they have to be special. I mean, Reputation's <laughs> good, but it wasn't special enough for me. Ah, okay, I, I, interesting. I, I, I have very, like, strict rules on my, like, <laughs> physical media, because I have uh, no room. <laughs> uh-huh. Um... Yeah, so the story we're about to embark on is quite story heavy. <laughs> like, yep. There's a uh, lot of like, there's a lot of like, not gunk because it's all valuable and essential to the story, but like, there's a lot of like essential components. So mm-hmm. that's just to say, please just interrupt me at any point if you have <laughs> anything to say about anything I'm saying. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm very intrigued because <laughs> I know very little about the whole Taylor Swift masters and re-recordings and who owns Which, what and the shit and fuckery sh- of it all. I was shocked by that, but uh, also very, very excited because I like get to tell the story to like somebody who doesn't know much. Yeah. So I'm really I mean, excited. I- I'm ready to go. Oh! <gasps> at any moment. <laughs> Um, also, as I mentioned before recording, but the audience does not know about yet, throughout this deep dive, we're going to be playing a little game of spot the Taylor Swift song titles or approximately song titles because there's like one reference which is very slightly off from okay, the song title. Okay. But all of the others are just the song titles. So yeah, spot the Taylor Swift song title. So uh, please uh, ding the bell if you spot one. And maybe you want to ding it now so that people know. So what yeah, it sounds Karen like. has equipped me with a ding, <laughs> so that ding. if I spot a Taylor Swift um, song title in what he's saying, <laughs> I ding it. If you spot one that I don't, leave it in your five star review of this amazing podcast, Ooh, and, yes. um, and we'll say at the end how many there actually were to get. And then if you put more than that, we'll know you're lying. So there you ah, go. And I'll try to count how well you do throughout the podcast. I've got my pen and paper ready to do a little Ooh, tally chart tally. for you. Tally! Like <laughs> being in maths, which Rissy Sunak loves. Okay, let's go. <coughs> Sorry, had to get a cough out. Whew. You're all good. You're all there's good. So much, there's so much text. I don't... <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> okay, so... This first part of our deep dive is one that I have titled as Taylor Swift as the Victim. Oh, okay. So when Taylor Swift was only 15, she entered into a six-album recording contract with Big Machine Records. Side note, Taylor Swift was their first 
signing. What? Like they were a new record label. And she was their first signing. And I don't really have anything to really say to that point as we go forwards, other than like, that's a bit weird. Like that's it's a little interesting weird. Interesting that their first act was a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, there's there's, there's something there. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um. So I feel like recording contracts are something that people intuitively understand, but like don't really. So yeah. what do you understand by the term recording contract? <sighs> see now, economists log off. I kind of see, like, a contract as just, like, you do a thing and you get the money from doing the thing. Is that in any way similar to a recording contract or is it, like, because... I think so. It's like, it's like a... Call me economically naive, but... Like a supposedly legally binding exchange of sorts. I so would they say, say you record is. this song and release this album, and then you get paid, and you, th- there you go. That's that. It's probably my, <laughs> way worse than that. But... <laughs> well, yeah, and yeah. So, so recording contracts vary quite a lot. But simply put, the innocent artist gets a cash advance. Studio time, access to top of the industry professionals, promotion, you know, blah, 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 onwards, mm. onwards, onwards. And basically this cash advance acts like a loan. So Hello. the artist, yeah. Yeah. And this is the immediate thing that a lot of, this is the first thing that a lot of people don't know is that this, you know, you sign a $1 million recording contract, you owe a million dollars. You'd, oh fuck! You, so you weren't you... being given a thank you present for coming to work at this company. No, you've so been you, given a if, loan. If you flop, then oh fuck! Well, this is where, and we won't get into that too much because uh, Taylor Swift doesn't flop. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> 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 uh huh. She stays winning. No. Um, <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I just completely lost my dress. <laughs> um. Yeah, so we, yeah, that doesn't factor too much into this story, like what happens if you do flop, because that, you know, all jokes and dumb sassiness aside, that's not Taylor Swift's story, really. Um, Already, I am shook at the information because it makes a lot of other things suddenly make a lot more sense. Uh huh. Yeah, so, so the artist pays back the record label for many of these things that they were you know, given as part of the, the deal. So, for example, they might have to pay back studio time. My God. Or often music videos are one that they have to pay back. Um, and marketing, from what I've heard, they often have to pay back too. Oh yeah, so, you know, you sign with a record label because, like, I'll be on Times Square. Like, I'll be in, I'll be in Times Square and everyone will know me. Yeah, you're going to have to pay for that billboard back, though. You'll also be in fucking debt for your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and usually, the artist only starts to actually earn any more money after they've paid back this cash advance. Jesus wept. So this is why you have this... This, you know, in certain areas of pop music, I think this idea of like, you know, oh, yeah, they blow their money. And then they might be like, they might have been a successful artist, but now they're like money that's not yours. (laughs) Um, Okay, so 
I'm, I'm quite shocked at how you reacted to that explanation because <laughs> in my script, I then go on to say, oh, but no. there's a darker side to darker? the contract. Darker? <laughs> I was like, this is just the innocent. This is the this is just the nice stuff, Jacob. <laughs> no wait, hang on. I've got a much better sound effect for this. Oh. Oh my Continue. goodness, I feel kind of I feel kind of tense now. Oh, that was a so sound do effect. I if this is not the worst Ooh. of it. <laughs> okay, so uh, brief brief kind of like linking to last week um we have to touch on copyright again oh my last week last month Uh, time flies when you're having fun that's all i can say um so there are two types of u.s music copyright that Mm. are going to come up like again and again today and basically form the basis of this story so the first of these types we're going to talk about now and that's master rights right so Every song has a master, which is the specific professional audio recording of a song that's then distributed everywhere. So streaming services, CDs, vinyls, radio, you know, mm. etc. It's effectively it's effectively like the golden file from which uh, every okay. other copy is made. The original. Yeah. And usually, here comes the dark part, as part of recording contracts, record labels assume the rights to all masters created throughout the duration of the contract in perpetuity. So all these master recordings are owned by the record label forever, typically. Love that. That's like standard. Uh, A few artists, I can't remember them off the top of my head. I think Rihanna's one of them. Uh, Uh... some more successful artists have like negotiated to buy back their masters. Mm. But, but the, the contract you sign typically says forever. And and then you have to negotiate a buyback if you want to change that contract. I don't like that at all. Yeah. So, uh, Taylor Swift, 15 years old. (laughs) She signs this recording contract, which gives cool. Big Machine Records the rights to all masters. Uh, and, you know, some might say that Taylor Swift should have said no, but I think it's like industry standard. Pre- ah, yeah, you got one! Woo! That's definitely one. <laughs> should have said no, yes. Yes, I was so, <laughs> I was so certain I was going to be bad at this game. Ah, um, yeah, but it's like industry standard procedure. And back in the time when she signed her recording contract, like, I think it's pretty reasonable. Yeah. I mean, if you're 15 years old and you're like, oh, my God, you're giving me a record deal. You probably wouldn't yeah. even think about, like, oh, who owns what? It's, I get to do music and pe- be paid and, you know, big fame, stardom things. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, who knows? Like, back in that era where streaming hadn't really popped off yet, like, what would have come of Taylor Swift? Would she just be going around like, you know, middle America performing we didn't in... have TikToks in my yeah. days. <laughs> you know, in country bars just to make a living. And and like pubs yeah. and saloons or I don't know, whatever saloons. they have. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, but like maybe she wouldn't have been successful if it weren't for this contract. I feel like a lot of success is luck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is a very capitalist way of operating anything. Yes, yeah. Um, So, I would pose that 
what I described to you is basically a form of wealth extraction. So the artist creates these assets, these masters, um, and then somebody else claims ownership of them and exploits them. So what do you think about that? What? This is just NFTs all over again. (gasps) Oh my goodness. It kind of is. They just went, (gasps) well, that's mine. And... Oh, fuck. Oh, my goodness. It's like the original NFT. NFTs are just another thing of capitalism being capitalism. And it's only just occurred to me how much of everything is just NFTs, but with different words. Yeah. Fun. Okay, cool. This is is a riveting episode (laughs) for my brain. Ouch. Um, Also, yeah, side note, uh, they own all masters. So... You know how record labels like exert quite a lot of control over like track listing or so on? Or they're like, you can't release the album yet. You don't have a hit, according to me. Oh, this (laughs) is, this is, this is, uh, this is what happened to Ray, wasn't it? Yeah, but, but they own all of the masters. So if you make 25 songs for a project and you show it to the record label, and they go, no big albums aren't in right now. So you're going to have to cut that down to 15. You can only release 15. They still own the masters to the other 10, even though the record label have said, no, I don't want you to release them. We don't want to release them. They still own the masters to those unreleased demos. So exploitative. How evil is that? So so like, basically it, it like fucks over the fans as well, because, because you can't really act, you, you, the record label said no to you releasing these masters, but the record label still owns them. So the fans will, in theory, never get to hear them unless some good Samaritan, I don't know, hacks a fucking hard drive. <laughs> I better start learning to code. <laughs> <laughs> I will be the good Samaritan <laughs> and I will get all of those unreleased Lily Allen tracks. <laughs> um, yeah, so crazy, isn't it? Oh my God, I hate it so much. <laughs> And I yeah. feel like it's not going to get better. Uh, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> not for a little bit. It will. It will eventually. <laughs> um, so it goes quite strangely. What I'm about to say now is the uneventful part that we can just kind of like gloss over. Cool. Uh, Taylor Swift released six albums. Taylor Swift, Fearless, Speak Now, Red, 1989 and Reputation became one of the biggest artists in history. Uh, Yeah, and it was all under this contract. Okay, yeah. So so that's like, (laughs) it's kind of strange that that's like the boring part in this story that we can just like snap our fingers. and a million streams here, there and everywhere. (laughs) Lots of fans. (laughs) Yeah, but that's, yeah, so, so that's that. So now we're getting closer to the, like, story, story beginning. Oh, okay. (laughs) So in 2018, Taylor Swift had fulfilled her contractual obligations to Big Machine Records. Mm -hmm. And Taylor Swift's legal team suggested to the label that she could buy back her masters. So she simply wanted to get back this ownership of everything that she'd worked on and created throughout those years for those six albums. To quote a few Tories, she wanted to take back control. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, oh my goodness. That's take control so of the borders. Um, but Big Machine Records wanted Taylor Swift to stay, stay, stay. So they refused. <laughs> okay, that one yeah. was, that was there for me. <laughs> I took it. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, they, uh, Big Machine wanted Taylor Swift to stay, so they refused. They said, oh. no, you're not buying, you're not just buying back the Masters. They proposed a counter offer that would have seen Taylor Swift take back rights to all of her Masters in exchange for entering into a new 10 year contract with Big Machine Records. So effectively, you've just ended this 10 year recording contract. Basically, the way Taylor Swift phrased it on a Tumblr post was uh, that they offered her basically to like earn back ownership of an album for every... So like she makes a new album and in exchange she gets back ownership of an old album. Also though, confusing, would she under that contract have owned the master rights to the new albums? Or would Big Machine Records have tried to do some like looping shit where she never owned six of her albums? I'm guessing it would be the latter because that seems like Mm -hmm. something... An organization that's like, yeah, you can earn your masters for these ones back, but then we get the new ones and then you can sign another one and get those ones back. And then it's an infinity loop until you're dead in the Uh ground. And then we just own things because, you know, NFTs and that. Yeah. This is going swimmingly. Yeah. So quite simply, this didn't fly with Taylor Swift. Um, There's speculation also that she knew that the owner of Big Machine Records was intending to sell the record label. So she also didn't want to enter this decade-long contract that was like riddled with uncertainty regarding the label's ownership and the label's direction. Mm. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah. And the final point about why she probably refused this offer, I think it's speculation but like i mean it's a fact that taylor swift was a superstar Mm. and and she and she was on a small time label um variety reported that taylor swift alone accounted for 80 percent of big machine records revenue just in case you didn't hear that that was eight zero that was eight zero percent four fifths how absolutely wild and that's 101% more money than I will ever see in my entire <laughs> life. Like, so like, obviously, like, there's like that argument that like, well, if, if she's making up like 80% of their revenue, then they clearly aren't managing a load of crazily successful artists like her. So maybe Do we know she'd who be else better is off. on the label. Uh... Sorry, no. I sound like I've asked you no. a question you don't know the answer to. I, the thing is, is that at one point I did know an answer, but I don't now. I'm going to Google it. I've just typed it in. I'm going to have a look. I'm curious. I want to know who's there. Artists. Huh. Lady A. I'm trying to look for people I recognise here. Are they all country music? They yeah, pretty much. Music. But you know Lady Twink A detective. from uh, from the Need You Now song? They, they they were formerly named Lady Antebellum, but then changed their name because of its connections to slavery, I think. I still don't recognise them. Oh, I'll have to send it to you afterwards. <laughs> that can't be a real person. Shane Prophet. Shane Prophet. That's so... <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, clearly not that much profit if Taylor Swift's accounting for 80% of the record label's revenue. This is why they've got all of these, like, nobody knows who they are artists, because Taylor Swift was just funding the whole operation. Yeah. Yeah, we, we could have fucking what's-his-face profit and, I don't know, Gary Lavox, <laughs> Clarissa Clark, <laughs> Bad Flower... Bad flower. Avenue okay. beat. Hmm. Oh, yeah, their, so, their website mean, also has a section called Music Has a Value. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh. clearly. Oh, Sugarland. Oh, yeah, they did it. Tim McGraw. Oh. You know a lot more of these people than I do. <laughs> I mean, Sugarland did a song that Taylor Swift wrote, so I listened to it because of that. Ah, she's so, a good... She's a very yeah. good songwriter, actually. Very good lyricist. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the conclusion of all of this is that Taylor Swift showed them the other side of the door and told them, we are never, ever getting back together. Like ever. <laughs> I think I might have spotted one of the, uh, uh. One of the game titles there. I, I absolutely cringed when I wrote that, but I was like, you can't not, can you? Like, you have to. It's like obligatory when you're no, talking about Taylor Swift. Absolutely. Yeah. So so then she signed with Republic Records uh, cool. in a deal that saw her retain her master rights to all her recordings, um, which is yeah. great for Taylor Swift going forward. So from mm-hmm. the album Lover onwards, she owns the master rights. So, good. you know, woohoo, okay, yeah. Um, but I have to emphasize again that this is not the norm. Like she ha- held enormous weight and bargaining power and leverage given how incredibly successful she is. So she basically had all of the record labels wrapped around her finger. Yeah. <laughs> apart <laughs> from Big would. Machine, apart from Big Machine Records, because Big Machine had the leverage of her her first six album masters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so there's the quite dull background out of the way, I would say. Um, and now the drama really begins. Oh, no. So, Jacob, I have to ask you a question. Yep. Are you ready for it? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Need I say more? <laughs> uh, uh. So, at the start of a cruel summer in June 2019... <laughs> Woohoo, you another got one, five! Another one, another one, another one, another one. <laughs> in June 2019, Big Machine Records announced that Scooter Braun oh, had bought Big, Big Machine... Yes, yes, here we go. Yep, uh, He'd bought Big Machine Records for an estimated $330 million. Now, it's speculated that Taylor Swift's masters alone account for over half of that price tag. So it's basically like, you know, you're buying like a bit of a flop of a record label and Taylor Swift's masters. It's kind of like when you buy like an iPhone or a phone and it comes with like another charging cable that you really don't give a shit about because you've already got like 10 in the drawer. You might not know the answer to this, but when you buy the Masters, does that mean you're buying, like, every time somebody plays it on the radio or streams it, is that money going to you, or is it going to 
like a collection of like how how does the masters like affect like the like um, the money from the so it, uses so it's quite nebulous um okay can we park that for like mm-hmm. five or ten minutes? Because yeah. when we get onto the second type of, basically, but short answer is, uh, yeah, if you own the masters, you get money from the masters. But okay, it does yeah. go to a collective of people. But by owning the masters, you get a cut. Okay, yeah, got you. So that's the short answer. But if you want to bring it up again when we get onto the second type of rights, maybe we can go more in depth then. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, so speculated that Taylor Swift's masters account for over half of half of Big Machine Records' valuation. <laughs> Absolutely Jeez. wild to me. Yeah, so on the same day, Taylor Swift... So on the same day it was announced that Scooter Braun had bought the record label, Taylor Swift wrote a Tumblr post portraying this ordeal basically as like death by a thousand cuts. It was her, and I quote, worst case scenario. Okay. Um, basically, she had bad blood with Scooter Braun. Partially, yes. <laughs> Such a silly little game. I love this going game. In the I feel like I'm doing really well. It's like the it's like the light hearted like undercut. It's like trying to keep us afloat in this relatively bleak story. <laughs> yeah, even though we're deep diving, we're trying to yeah. stay afloat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she had bad blood with Scooter Braun, um, mm. partially relating to his... He was Kanye West's manager. Oh, fuck. During the time of the whole snake scandal around Kanye West's song Famous. <laughs> Before he went a little bit Nazi. Okay, got you. Yeah, so when he was like a bit of an asshole, but not... But just generic asshole rather than like genu- any specific type of awful. Wasn't Scooter also the manager of Ariana Grande under the Arena Attack and Justin Bieber randomly? Still is. Oh, good God. S- still the manager of Demi Lovato, Ariana oh my Grande, God. Justin Bieber. Very Fuck. influential. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. Big bigger. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so Taylor Swift felt that Scooter Braun was a bully. And basically, she didn't want this person owning her masters. Fair enough. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to list names, but I can. I could immediately list 10 people where this would send me into a spiral if they owned my masters. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't want. You you don't want certain people owning your masters. So, like, I. Yeah, I I like sympathize. Yeah. So. This is like the dun-dun-dun pause moment before we move on to the second part of our deep dive. Okay. So at this point, I guess we'd do a sponsorship, but we don't have one yet. So I will ask you... The latest Toyota Arrow. It's an (laughs) arrow-shaped car. (laughs) So I'll ask you instead. Do you sympathize with Taylor Swift based on the story so far? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, in a way, you could frame it in like a workers' rights kind of way or artists' um, creative ownership kind of way. So far, yeah, I'm sort of seeing it from that angle and it's sort of the angle I knew the best anyway from like yeah. what, I've, what I do know, the bits I know about this. So yeah, I do. I definitely sympathise. 
Yeah, I think in terms of my sympathies in relation to Taylor Swift versus Scooter Braun and Big Machine, like I'm definitely Team Taylor. I do yeah, sympathize. It feels like it's it's like the sort of issue that like only a rich artist could actually fight. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely the sort of thing like good on her using her sort of power and influence to sort of try and get a better deal for at least I hope a better deal for other artists like to sort of set a precedent rather than just I just want my masters back but I don't know where this story yeah. is going so yeah <sighs> um yeah I also empathize with her to the extent that I'm also an artist and like I can really feel how horrifying like I can really feel it when I think about it how horrible that mm. would be to know that my song's masters were owned by somebody else let alone somebody I like really didn't like yeah, yeah. absolutely um, not. So now we move on to the second part of our tale, which I've called Taylor Swift as the victor. So so Taylor Swift's white horse in this story, in my opinion, is basically the second type of music copyright in the US, which is publishing rights. So we've already discussed master rights, which are, as a reminder, the rights to the specific professional recording of a song. But publishing rights are the rights to the lyrics melodies and arrangement of a song kind of like in the more abstract sense oh my god they really did just they did what we did in episode one with the like copyright there's the patent there's the um whatever they call it um yeah oh my god i hate it yeah it's, <laughs> yeah it's hell um, yeah but luckily with taylor swift it's quite simple um taylor swift's a songwriter for all of her songs. Mm-hmm. So she has a publishing right to all of her music. Perfect. Yeah. So to go back to your earlier question, when somebody streams, like Shake It Off, let's say, she will mm-hmm. get money from that as a songwriter. Yeah. Song. Uh, okay. Yeah. But the owner of the master, also Scooter Braun at this cash. point. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, capitalism. Yeah. Wow. What a flawless system. Yeah. So, after seeing Red in a move that can only be described... (laughs) Yeah. In a move that can only be described as better than revenge, she announced in August 2019 that she intended to begin again and re-record all of her... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And re-record all of her first six studio albums when allowed to, as determined by her contract with Big Machine Records. So there's basically like a clause in the contract that says you are not allowed to re-record the music for a certain number of years. Ah, so once that had expired, she was like, here we go, girls. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, she she actually announced it in August and she was only allowed to start re-recording them in December of that year. (laughs) She was like, I'm giving you a heads up because this is coming. Yep. (laughs) Like a threat. And you know what? <laughs> we stan. We stan it. We love to yeah, see gotta it. Gotta say, I kind of like that yeah. move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so by, so here's where we get to the real, like, fundamental point of the re-recordings. When she re-records her first six studio albums, she creates new masters. So she retains the publishing rights because the, the composition is the same. So she has the same publishing right 
with the old masters and the new masters. But the difference is, is that with these re-recordings, she also has the master rights. She owns the masters. Perfection. Yeah. So with the old masters, she only has publishing rights. With the new masters, simply put, she has like every right. (laughs) Amazing. We love to see it. Yes. So this retaliatory move from Taylor Swift sparked the Great War of Scooter Braun versus Taylor Swift. So the Great War. So to cut a long story short, that's when a mess ensued as Big Machine aka scooter brawn they're kind of like interchangeable terms at this point yeah um they they tried to stop taylor swift using songs from her first six albums in both televised performances and and her netflix documentary (gasps) so so they were basically arguing that because they were televised performances it's like well you're you're recording it so you're making a new recording before december you're not allowed to oh yeah yeah, like, a, 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 to my understanding, quite uncharted territory in terms of legal interpretation. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, basically just absolute arse wipes, horrible people. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, so, so um, yeah, so Scooter Braun basically tried to use his master ownership or his ownership of the record label, <laughs> as leverage to coerce her. Yeah, here's where we get to. So so they said, you can't use them in the televised performances or in your Netflix documentary. Unless oh. you agree to not re-record the albums. Fuck! Fucking get assholes. Yeah, I Yeah. Yeah, so so basically, Taylor Swift did what Taylor Swift does. She just fucking tweeted about it and made her Tumblr post. And then the Swifties, no offence to you all, you're lovely, you seem lovely, but the Swifties attacked like animals online. <laughs> so well, I feel Scooter kind of had it coming, if you ask no, me. No, I mean... I'm not criticizing I'm not criticizing the Swifties. This is not a I'm, criticism I'm, on my end. No, I quite enjoy accountability. Yep, almost an endorsement of their behavior. <laughs> Legally, yeah. this is not an endorsement of harassment, yeah. but <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um no, um so basically, you know, they're being like absolutely ha- Scooter Braun's being absolutely hounded by fans. Um <laughs> came out later like it did get a little extreme from some people and crossed lines but we won't get too deep into that sometimes Um, i think we need to bring bullying back (laughs) oh god um so basically under the weight of i I wrote public pressure but basically fucking like swifty like hardcore taylor swift stands members of the public we do not dehumanize here (laughs) um yeah scooter braun eventually gave in and allowed taylor swift to use the songs for these purposes so another win for Taylor. Keep winning, keep winning. Yes. Well, hey. um, yeah. Um, throughout this whole kind of period of how long is it? Yeah, basically six months or so, or like a year and a half. Taylor Swift's legal team were trying to reach an agreement and find peace with Scooter Braun, um, you know, like behind the scenes. But here we reach our next coercion attempt. <laughs> Why is there more? 
Scooter Braun would only agree to even enter talks to for Taylor Swift to buy back the Masters. If, and I quote Taylor Swift, she signed, if she were to sign an ironclad NDA, close quotes, that meant that she basically was not allowed to speak negatively about him during the negotiation process. <laughs> Get his stupid name out of your mouth. <laughs> like He was like, I will only talk to you if you never, ever, ever be mean to me again. Yeah, when which is which is complete. It, it, that's how I got, that's how I conduct myself in life. <laughs> Not a fucking billionaire record label host. There's Fuck. like a real. There's also like this <laughs> this this typical twisting of things, isn't it? Like <laughs> I'll only talk to you if you stop being mean to me. But I bought your masters and I'm exploiting all of the wealth that you created. But you need to stop being mean to me. Then I'll talk to you. Like, come on, get over it with that victim complex. Get out of Ooh. my face, you dumbass scootery yeah. named bastard. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Stupid name, stupid man. Yeah. So now we reach what is probably the last negative turn of the story. And then I'd say we're, we're on to just the fully uplifting part. Oh yeah. My God, thank God. So in October 2020, Scooter Braun sold the Masters. He sold not the, them? Not the record label, the Masters. To who? To a private equity firm. Oh, good. He sold them to an idea. Christ. <laughs> Called Shamrock Holdings. I mean, having well, Shamrock. They are the a sham, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, 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 it was one of those like dodgy, weird capitalist sales that I'm not even going to pretend for a fucking second to understand. You pretend there's a difference between dodgy capitalist sale and just capitalist sale. I, okay, right. I'm going to counter argue with you with what I'm going to say next. And I think you will actually agree with me. Okay. So basically this, this sale, in uh, after this sale concluded... The terms of the agreement meant that Scooter Braun would still continue to earn money from her masters. What? Then why what? did he sell them? Now, you see what I mean with, like, dodgy <laughs> capitalist sales. Like, what the fuck is going no, that, on That there? just sounds like capitalism still is, like, having something, then not having it, but still having money from it is very capitalist. Yeah. So, but... <laughs> Basically, so like this move basically meant that it would be really difficult for Taylor Swift to actually like truly buy back her masters because like okay, cause now like the masters, loop. yeah, the masters are like owned by somebody, but then there's a contractual obligation still to Scooter Braun and yeah, like basically Taylor Swift wants these people to fuck off earning money off her music. Understandable. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So in summary... The threat of re-recording made Big Machine aggressive in their tactics. They tried to prevent the reasonable use of the original masters. Uh, they tried to prevent talks on buying the masters unless an NDA was signed to save one man's reputation. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yeah, album title, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was that not part of the game? Have I found no! a secret one? Maybe there's a the may, secret level. I'm playing a subconscious game. <laughs> yeah. So I want to pause here to ask you, like, what do you think of this mess? Ah! 
is um, my primal yeah. response to most of it. As a just um, economically naive person, um, this is just fucking dog shit. Absolute yep. piss on the pavement of a Glasgow nightclub. Um, yeah, yeah, this is um, fucked dot com dot au dot ac dot uk i hate it mm-hmm. i hate it all i hate okay. i hate that it mm. happened in the first place i hate that that sort of mechanism exists yeah and i hate that like big man with silly name can just have your like creative works as an nft and then sell yeah. it but still have money from it because of course what the fuck Ow. Yeah. My brain broke. Yeah. So here's where we get to the uplifting part. Good. Hit me. Yep. So the re-recordings are basically the vehicle through which things get really interesting. Mm. And now that Taylor Swift started to re-record her her albums, the tables have turned and everything has changed. So first... Featuring Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not him. Anybody but him. <laughs> um, so firstly, the most important point, I guess, or like I think the most obvious point perhaps, her fans in general are going to stream the re-recordings over the originals to oh, support yeah. this this artist that they're enchanted by. Yeah. Um, and I guess that perhaps even a substantial number of casual listeners might choose the re-recordings. You know, if they just, like, come up first in the searches on I'll streaming platforms. I'll tell you, one group that isn't using the majority of re-recordings, unless it's something new, is radio stations. <laughs> I can tell you that Oh, for a really? Fact. That's such a shame. Heart committed to only playing re-recordings, I think. Or was it That's Kiss? A, no, it was, no, it was from Heart. Kiss FM. Oh, Kiss, Kiss FM, would make a bit more sense, because it's because uh-huh. um, of the way their playlist works. But, yeah, it wouldn't... It, if your station's already got the song, they ain't re-uploading it. <laughs> uh, Fun. Um, yeah, or like listeners that see a moral justification, mm. you know, like a substantial, like a, a lot of people are going to move on to the new masters. Like I know for me, like when when the re-recordings that have come out, have come out, <laughs> English? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um like, I would compare them to the old ones. Oh, that's like um, a music nerd thing to do. It's like, I need to know yeah. what's and changed. Like, and like, as as like a music producer, especially the instrumentation, like Holy Ground, one of my favourite Taylor Swift songs, um, like I can hear it as soon as it starts. I'm like, this is the re-recording. It mm. sounds weird. It sounds different. <laughs> but But despite that, like I do stream the re-records because I'm like, yeah, like it's not it's not significant enough of a difference for me. I genuinely cannot wait for some reputation re-records. Oh my god! Yep, I'm gonna I, die. I'm gonna be dead. I'm gonna be oh flat dead. <laughs> I cannot. Literally, I cannot wait. Um, uh, yeah, well, and that... we need to do a listening party together when Ooh, that comes out. Yes, I'll get yeah. a really expensive train up to you, and we'll just like <laughs> we'll just like listen to it. So much fun, straight through. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's it's funny that you bring up reputation because it actually links to my second point, kind of. Mm. 
like she's really a mastermind with how she's doing the re-recordings by including like unreleased songs from each yes. era with the re-recorded album. So it's not just like a copy-paste job, like, oh, here's the same thing, but it's a little bit dodgy. Or like, releasing a 10-minute version. It, well, that was iconic. That was cool. I know, I know, yeah, I know. I live. Um, but it's like effectively like a mega super deluxe of every <laughs> album. And it's getting so many people excited. Like you mentioned Reputation just now. Like fucking hell, I cannot wait to hear like, I cannot wait for the song that names Kanye West explicitly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And honestly, some of these, like some of these uh, outtakes that are included on Taylor's versions, like the the re-recordings, like I'm absolutely blown away that they weren't even on the originals. Yeah. Like, like for example, that's when on the re-recorded Fearless, like I absolutely live for that song. It's mm. beautiful. And then message in a bottle on red. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I'm a pop junkie. Like that, <laughs> like, oh my goodness, that song is everything. Yes. Um, yeah, and I can't wait to hear Reputation especially. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but this third point is where things get even crazier. So this is where, this is where our, our US copyright stuff really comes to the rescue. Um, cool. Okay. What? So one of the most lucrative routes for artists to make money outside of touring is through sync licenses, where you basically get your music played in TV, film, adverts, etc. Oh. And te- uh-huh. Jess and te- Glynn. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, not that. Did you hear Jess Glynn's new song? She's got a new song? Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it was like very dramatic and she did one of those. Uh, did you see that Demi Lovato performance where all of the mean tweets come up about them at the beginning? No, but it sounds epic. <laughs> it's it's really like, like Demi just stares, sat from the audience at the beginning of the performance, stares at the screen. And it's <laughs> it's very it's very sad, the tweets that come up on the screen, but there is something very high camp about it that makes me laugh every time. Demi um, Lovato is honestly one of the strongest people in that industry. Yeah. The shit um, she's been through. Yeah. But basically, Jess Glynn's first promo for her new song was like a phone blowing up with like mean notifications. Like, I'm sick of hearing that fucking advert. We are, though. <laughs> it's not a lie. And that's not an insult either. Yeah, like the US Army used Baby One More Time to torture the like prisoners or whatever, didn't they? Yeah, and then like, they're gonna now they're gonna use Rather B. So <laughs> <laughs> basically, so sync licenses are basically where you make money with with uh, getting your music played in TV, film, adverts, and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing: to enter into this licensing agreement, the like end user so for example like the director of a film needs permission from both <gasps> the master right oh. uh-huh and the publishing rights holder here we oh, go yes, you silly name yes. oh my god they got yes. him yep so <laughs> since taylor swift is a publishing rights holder to like all of her music because it's effectively like the same publishing rights for like both versions of Love Story, you know, because it's the same abstract song. Oh my God, um, I love it. Yeah, she can veto any new potential sync license <laughs> agreement that uses her music. 
So for any of the first six albums, the original album, the music on the original six albums, she is a publishing rights holder can say, no, mm. no. And that's it. No, Easy you're not using it. Fuck off. <laughs> um, but by re-recording her first six albums, she, she has publishing and master rights to the new to the new masters so she can basically somebody could say oh we want to use uh uh let me think about it we want to use ready for it in in our film trailer we think it would really suit and even if she hasn't released reputation again yeah Mm. she can say piss off you're not using ready for it but i've already re-recorded it so you can use that one. <laughs> and she's actually done that a couple times. A couple of the Taylor's versions have first come out in trailers. And oh then, my God. yeah, because basically she has complete control with the new masters. <laughs> this is, yeah. this is fascinating because it's given me so many different feels. It's like, yes, I want to celebrate because like she yeah. defeated the man. But at the same yeah. time, there's also a part of me that's like, now she's just, now it's just capitalism 101 again. It's just buy, sell music as a commodity. Yeah. Ta-da! Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it is quite a slight that she's like prohibiting the use of the originals. Oh, fucking and, absolutely. <laughs> and then just like, but you can use mine instead. Um, Yeah, so all of these points effectively serve to devalue and probably render, you know, like, probably next to worthless, an asset that Shamrock Holdings bought from Scooter Braun for a reported $405 million. (laughs) Bear in mind that Scooter Braun bought the whole record label, including her masters, for only $330 million. Nobody needs that much money. Isn't it isn't it funny though that like the masters sold for more than the record label itself that included Probably the masters? Because of all the publicity after she'd tweeted about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so Elon like, Musk trying to like create like <laughs> demand for his weird cryptocurrencies all the time uh, on Twitter. Oh yeah. So like streams on the songs will dwindle over time as Taylor Swift re-records and re-releases her first six albums. Like physical purchases of these original masters are likely all but dead. And mm. Shamrock Holdings won't be able to negotiate any new sync licenses for TV, film, or adverts without the permission of Taylor Swift, who, as a rightfully <laughs> mad woman, is like never going to give it. Ah, yes, it's one of my favourites from that album. In fact, probably is my favourite from that album. I love oh, I'm, that song. I, I'm really happy you got that reference because I was like. Oh, that that like makes sense to what add it, but I didn't want to add it in like a bad sounding way. And now that you like dinged it, I'm like, okay, good. Like it's <laughs> it's explicit. <laughs> like, oh, I love that song. Yeah, yeah, but but like she's never going to give this permission. So yeah, I do. So, I do enjoy like big capitalist like investment firms just not getting their money's worth of things that they brought. That just brings me a lot of joy. Yeah, especially when they're grounded in exploitation. Exactly. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That is what I like in my tea. Yeah. (laughs) So, so like, yeah, the question is, what will Scooter Braun and Shamrock Holdings get? Like, sweet nothing. Good. And, And Taylor Swift has played her cards in the best way possible. 
uh, like as a conning business person and created like an end game situation for this investment. Mm. Yeah. And it and it's leaving a blank space in bank accounts that Scooter Braun and Shamrock Holdings expected to be filled with dollars. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> And, and I do not want to be the pro-capitalist that's like, I stand a businesswoman. But uh, yeah. it is, it's good seeing somebody like absolutely own these absolute... Yeah. <sighs> plonkers. Yeah. Ew, I sound yeah. like my dad. And, and, and to what Taylor Swift... <laughs> and, and to what Taylor Swift did, I have to say, ooh, look what you made her do. Yeah. <laughs> Got him. So, Jacob, what do you think? You seem to be, you sound quite satisfied and pleased at this, at I, this story. I am honest, like, my mind is fucking blown with all of this information that I just <laughs> did not know. Like, editing this is going to be equally as fascinating just because I want to hear it again. Uh... Um, because I had no idea that's how, like, recording contracts worked and just basically all of it, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, oh man, really shows how fucking stupid some of the systems that we live under are. Yeah. Um, um, wow. Yeah. So, um, so now we're at the third and final part of this deep dive. Okay. There is a third part. Yes. Third Ooh, part. Oh, no. Um, you might have noticed that I didn't really touch on Taylor Swift yet and her as a mm. capitalist entity herself. Uh, I've been, I have, I've, but you haven't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've intentionally done that because I think it's easiest to like separate that part out of it and mm. then come back to it at the end. Interesting. So, okay. Tell so, me more. So I've titled this section, Taylor Swift as a very, very rich person. <laughs> uh, a very, very rich person. Yeah, very, very 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 um so to kick off this discussion i've prepared a little surprise quiz for you oh shit yeah uh it's true or false okay and all of the questions are about taylor swift's wealth her what her wealth wealth yeah good god okay this could be fun (laughs) so so it's like statement statement based and then tell me whether you think it's true or false. So statement one, Taylor Swift's net worth in 2022, as estimated by Forbes, was $570 million. Say the number again. $570 million. $570 million. Uh. Is it bad that I'm economically naive enough to not really understand net worths? So <laughs> that sounds about right. So yeah, I'll say that's true. Okay, I don't have a ding button. So ding, ding, ding. Yes, I can, you got I it. I can press the ding if you want. <laughs> yeah, you can if you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. Woo! Go, Jacob. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she she really is fucking loaded. That, um, that's, that's a lot. But is that not like... My understanding of net worth is that's not actually what you have because I have a friend who, if you Google uh-huh. his net worth, it will come up as like a ridiculous number and like he's broke as shit. 
Um, uh, but because of like having a presence in the world, you could probably Google me and I'd have net worth. I'm kind of tempted to do that now. <laughs> um, it, it definitely counts for assets. So it counts like properties and things you own. Like it's a lot more than your bank balance. Thankfully, I do not appear to have a oh. net worth. <laughs> I have no worth. <laughs> Oh, God. But my YouTube channel comes up, and I forgot that I set the description to O. So it's just <laughs> O. Um, good, I'm glad I don't have that. Yeah, I would feel a little bit, like, violated, you know? But yeah, you can, like, YouTubers have, like, high net worths, but they don't actually have that money. It's it's quite weird. Yeah. I don't um, understand how net worths work. No, I don't quite either. Yeah, but she, I mean, yeah. She she's wealthy. She's got um, the dosh. Yeah. So statement two. Taylor Swift grew up on an eleven acre Christmas tree farm. I feel like this is where you get me with the like specifics because I know that she did the Christmas tree farm thing. Uh, but is it an eleven acre one? <laughs> Fuck knows. I'm gonna say that's true. Ding. <laughs> yeah, you got it right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she she grew up on an 11-acre Christmas tree farm. Like, she didn't come from some poor family. Uh, when I was researching this topic, uh, I stumbled upon some self-made index from Forbes. Oh, like, God, yeah, so. and, you know, I mean, we can probably guess without hearing anything that Forbes doesn't have a fucking clue what self-made means. Um, they argue that she's, like, relatively well self-made on this scale but her dad was a former stockbroker and her mum used to be a mutual fund marketing executive now to be honest i don't have a fucking clue what that means but you just know it's it's pretty well off you know you just that hear certain job to titles. Me like yeah exactly <laughs> it's just, it just sounds like Rich. I, I I I have a feeling that she wasn't like saying, "Oh shit, I've got no money." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, statement three: Taylor Swift owns nineteen homes valued at over a hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm always fascinated with celebrities who have far too many homes. <laughs> it's like, what do you do with them? Why? <laughs> can understand, like, maybe if you have, like, one in America, one in the UK, or one wherever, because, you know, rich and yeah, and that. I could understand the use case, even though morally I think it's repulsive. Um, yeah. Uh, 19 seems much. I know that she loves flying around on a jet or whatever, but... <laughs> 19 and a jet I'm saying false correct it, it was false yep ah yeah so God she for that she actually only owns the poor thing eight homes and oh, they're sadly for fuck's sake that's <laughs> way too many what <laughs> she only owns eight only and, and they're only valued I don't own one <laughs> And they're only valued at eighty-one million dollars total. Yeah, I know. What a flop! 
An absolute <laughs> flop on the property developer market. I can only dream of having like the the cardboard box in the garden. Yeah. But yeah, um, it, Taylor Swift are eight. It's terrible, terrible, it's... terrible tragedy. Yeah, that like, many what, hits uh, and that many homes. Like, I just don't get it. I feel like they're going to feel like weird hotels scattered across the country. Part of me like, was they... hoping you would say she has like she just has the one house in the Lake District or whatever, and that's that. She has a three-bedroom semi-detached in like Tottenham. In Tottenham? <laughs> no, no, no. I was saying like imagine oh, if that. Oh, imagine. Been, imagine oh, if it was just she's, like yeah, she's, she's just a got... landlord. <laughs> She, oh my She's God. renting to a family of four. Oh God! Yeah. Um, no. No. She's not a. I don't know. She's a landlord. She's a lady lord. <laughs> I've fun. Fun fact. I've never had a landlord. I've only ever had a lady landlord. Yeah. A lady lord. <laughs> a lady lord. Yeah. A lady lord. <laughs> That's my favourite um, way of describing women that are landlords is lady lord. You actually need to send an email to to my estate agent later on today because they've not changed, they've not got us new bins, so we're just piling up trash bags in our in our backyard. I must get uh, on to the lady lord about this. Yeah, what if I just said, can you please get in, like a really serious because it is going to be a serious email. Dear can you lady please lord. get in touch with the lady lord about this? It needs <laughs> resolving urgently. Like part of me, part of me is actually really fucking tempted. I need the lady lord to do this, please. <laughs> uh, oh goodness. Okay, so statement for second last one. Uh Taylor Swift owns not one, but two private jets. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you need two? You can only ever be in one at one time. It's the same thing as houses, but even worse somehow. (laughs) Um, You'd need more than one pilot. And... What do you use it for? Do you think like maybe you like fucking like parachute out of the top one and then you play a game where you try and get into the bottom one? This is fucking GTA level shit. I hate it. <laughs> I'm gonna say yes because I hate it. Ding ding ding. Oh it's no! True. <laughs> yeah, because we've all heard about Taylor Swift's private jet, and when I was looking up her wealth, I was seriously like, like, what? Because we all know about the private jet. Plot twist, there are two of them. There's fucking... <laughs> she has twins! <laughs> like, how ridiculous. Oh, fuck! Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so a follow-up, which is the fifth and final statement. Oh, thank God it's the end. <laughs> I'm going to struggle not to laugh. Uh <laughs> Over the course of 2022, Taylor's private jet emitted approximately 1,185 times more carbon than the average person's total annual emissions. Good Lord above. Or to quote that thing we've got to say about the king, so help me God. Um, Say those numbers again. Okay, so throughout 2022... Taylor Swift's private jet emitted around 1,200 times more carbon than the average person's total carbon footprint. So effectively, like, Taylor Swift's private jet is 1,200 times more emitting over the course of 2022. Just a year. Okay, I 
don't believe in carbon footprints, but uh, let's go with yes, that's true. It's false, actually. Oh. Her private... Yeah, I'm sorry. You got all of them right, didn't you? At least it's not as bad as feckin' 1,200, I guess. (laughs) Oh, this silence is... Oh, I hate you. No, don't do this to me. Her private jet did emit approximately 1,185 times more carbon than the average person's total annual emissions. But... Her private jet emitted that amount in just the first half of 2022. No! No! Yes! Can you believe it? She's going to have a carbon footprint higher than the fucking Netherlands at this rate. (laughs) Fucking Bigfoot. (laughs) Bigfoot. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, can you believe it? Taylor. You were like... You were like the, 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 the... Slay queen at the start of this episode, and now you've you've yeah. turned it all around. Yeah. So like her representative, ocean's drying up, and I'm on fucking fire. Great, love this ending. <laughs> yeah, her representative into the next universe, please. Her her representatives claim legal note, legal uh, note that that it was being used by other celebrities. So it's a mischaracterization <laughs> of her so use she of the private jet. She is a landlady! A a lady lord! She's a lady lord of the sky! Of the fucking sky! All the things I've heard this week, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like, I get that she needs to, like, get around quickly for her tours, and... In the news, it's been reported that she's been doing some pretty crazy things like filming a video overnight in the UK and then flying to like Atlanta on her private jet, presumably to like perform her tour. So like I get the need for some like nimble movement, but I don't really get like why you'd need to own a private jet even for that. Also, you could just um, focus on one thing at a time like I do. And yeah. And not rush to England to record a video that you could, like, record next month. Yeah, exactly. Also, like, work-life balance. Like, I'd say chill out a little bit with that, maybe. Maybe that's not healthy. I get the appeal of, like, sleeping on the go so that then you, like, wake up and it's time for the next day. It's what sleeper trains were invented for. I've been on sleeper trains. Fucking not for that. But, um, (laughs) it's like... You know, that should be an experience. You should do that as a one-off in a lifetime thing. You shouldn't just be jetting around and sleeping on planes. I I stand by this as the the one reason I'm against private jets is you shouldn't be sleeping on planes. Yeah, also especially like... Like that shows really the entitlement if you're sleeping on a private jet because you're just like, oh, this is fucking boring. I'm going to have a nap. (laughs) Like... When you're on a private jet, like an experience that's meant to be so luxurious and decadent, and you're like, I'm gonna have a nap. It's like me on the Caledonian sleeper, <laughs> and I'm just like, I do not want to go to sleep because I'm on a train yeah. with a bed, and I do not. I did sleep, but then they woke uh, me up at five o'clock because it broke the fuck down in Dundee. But that's oh. besides the point. Uh, we have 20 <laughs> minutes left because they give us like a time limit now on these recordings, so we need to power through. <gasps> Oh, goodness. Um, so, so after hearing some details about Taylor's wealth, I'll ask you the question. Is the story I told you today all just champagne problems? 
Good Megan Trainer song, that. Um, yes, and. I think, uh-huh. yes, they they are very much, like, just fucking rich people problems. But there's, like, a crumb. There's a crumb in here of, like, um, critique, I guess, of the way capitalism commodifies art and makes, yeah. like, the art that you make something that somebody can own. An NFT, if you will. <laughs> Where, like, some guy who's named after that thing that kids ride onto school is able to own your, like, <laughs> master files of your music yeah. because he has these little things that we call money and has a fair bit of it, so he just can because of that and because yeah. of some weird wording and, like, legal texts around, like, what you were obliged to do when you signed this thing at 15. It's like... It's like... Yeah. It, I can I can I could see this as like being a sort of victory for like moral morally like not letting some man own everything but it's also yeah. not in a way like yeah she's absolutely owning his ass and it's glorious to witness but yeah. it's not necessarily like a hard victory because like you've still got artists mm-hmm. struggling under like extremely exploitative contracts across the industry you've got streaming platforms like undervaluing the like value of music in its like as an artistic way of expression as is you've got so many different things that this just doesn't even touch it because it didn't legally change anything she just found a way around it by the looks of things yeah she did like the rich person thing of having enough resources and power and influence to be able to skirt around a problem a lot of other people just wouldn't be able to and i think that's my stance on this is that whilst it's like yes slay queen it's also like (sighs) nothing changes I mean, I want to make a side note that as her signing a deal with Republic Records, they're with Universal Music. They're basically like the only record label, one of the only in existence. It's basically just got a load of different subdivisions and names. (laughs) Um, So as part of her new recording contract with Republic Records, she did renegotiate terms for future recording contracts with other artists. So that they will own a stake in their masters. Uh, a stake is better than nothing, I guess. Yeah, so she she did something, but like she didn't it didn't go as far as she did. It doesn't it, it yeah. feels like for some a story as like epic and groundbreaking as this was, it feels like it should have had a better outcome for like other artists. Like it set a precedent yeah. of like recording contracts, they can't own the music or they have to like the artists have to have like a controlling stake or I don't know, just yeah. some weird legal, like anything. Yeah. The like fact that I, we got like the bare minimum of like, you can have a little stake in some of your things, but that's it. Feels yeah. underwhelming as like a total, as a, as, as opposed to a, like a big victory for working yeah. musicians. Yeah. Like I would say my ultimate perspective on the topic is that on a moral level, and specifically like Taylor Swift versus Big Machine and Scooter Braun. I support Taylor Swift. Like masters should be owned by the artists and she should mm-hmm. be getting a much higher share of the money that's made through her work rather than it being siphoned off to the record label and Scooter Braun. Yeah. But 
when we zoom out and look at the bigger picture, she really doesn't need any more money. <laughs> so, like, I would argue that the money that's being siphoned off to Big Machine and Scooter Braun is Taylor Swift's even more unnecessary money to have. It's her right to have that. But after she's got it, we should be living in a political system whereby it's swiftly (laughs) taken away from her again and put into the economy and taxed out of her, in my opinion. As the radical leftist that I am, I think we should just get rid of fucking money altogether. Just fuck it. Wow. Okay. Just be gone. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess that'll be a topic at some point because. Oh, I feel like there's that's much, a lot. There's much more people better equipped to talk about money and the the stupidity of it all than I am. <laughs> I, I just I just go with the easy line of just don't have it. I just don't. I don't agree with the concept of money. <laughs> and people are like, "Oh, that's radical," but it doesn't feel very radical to me. It just makes sense. Yeah, but um, that is a topic for another day. Like, I I have nothing left to um <laughs> to add on that. We should get rid of money. So, <laughs> so do you want to hear how well you did on the yes, Taylor Swift I song? Yes, I do. <laughs> so. I do. Should I say how many song references there were total? Yeah, let's see how many we had. So there were 31 song references in total. Oh, I did not ding 30 times, did I? Oh, God. (laughs) No. So you scored 12 out of 31. Okay. I could take a quarter. (laughs) Which is decent. So so well done. I'll take that. I didn't think I was going to get any when you told me about this game, so I'm quite <laughs> pleased with that. Tell us in a review of five stars of this podcast whether you got more or less than little old me. <laughs> so this is the music room for anyone wondering. Each month we are going to do a roundup of songs that we have been listening to a lot. Whack them into a playlist. There's a playlist on Spotify and a playlist on Apple Music which is called Pop Goes Capitalism's Playlist. I think you can just search for it and it will just pop up now. Um, Each month we will add 10 new songs to these playlists. So we've now got like 20 songs in the playlist because this month's, well, April's, is uh, (laughs) 10 new songs. uh, Five from me, five from Kieran. And I will let Kieran go first explaining his first choice. So my first choice was Michael Madrano's whole whole EP album. I'm not sure which it is. Um, <laughs> Love, Sex, Drugs uh, with the track spotlight of Where It Don't Shine. It's just so vibey, bassy, disco-y, cool. Yeah. This is, this is a very cool track. When I was listening to it, I was like, hell fucking yes to the production on this. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love it. I actually didn't realise that this was an album spotlight either. Um, ah, so Love, Sex, Drugs is the album. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm going to have to have a listen to this now that I know that that's an album yeah. recommendation. I do, I do love an album recommendation. Right. I'm going to go with my choice now, which okay, is okay. Uh, my first choice. I'll save my album ones for the end, actually, because they're the ones I've got most to say about. Uh, oh, this okay. track that I've recommended is from an artist called Sven. You might remember last month I featured an artist called Harry Strange, who I was really into. Well, Sven is 
Uh, the guy that sort of did a lot of the production work on that, I believe. Ah. Um, and I, I, I've known like I've known of this guy's existence for a while before I knew Harry Strange. Uh, different like vibe musically. Um, but I really, really like this latest track. It just gets stuck in my head. It's called Like That, and I think it's fucking phenomenal. So that's on the uh, playlist for this month. I absolutely love the production of it. It's so strange and different, and I really love I love yeah, it. I love this sort of weird indie production yeah. vibe that I keep finding lately. Yeah. Um, so so my, my next track recommendation is No Money, by Travi Austin, Mr. Starbeast, and Black Punk. Um, I think, um, yeah, so like I know Travi Austin, I've worked with him before, and Mr. Starbeast's the producer. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Black Punk is like some sort of project that Travi's got going on with ah. Mr. Starbeast. Oh, I, I think it might be a songwriter, yeah. Travi Austin, yeah. I think it might be like Black Pink. Like a poem, yeah, like a play on words. Think? Yeah, um, it's just like really like fun, happy, joyous. This it's quite is different so sing along. Like when I was yeah. like listening on the train yesterday in my one working ear, I was like, oh yes, <laughs> I can sing this. I can sing this really easily. It's good. It's good shit. Yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, my next track, I actually actually checked on Spotify. Um, and it doesn't actually say uh, who produced this because I thought it might be one of yours. Oh, really? Which one? Uh, this is Cult of Kieran. Uh... It's called <laughs> Don't Want to Pray. And it it gave me seventh vibes. I love Cult oh. of Kieran. I think um, they're a really cool artist. And this is their latest release into the world. Uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't 100% sure if it was one of yours or not. No, no I think it was so... I mean, I, I know I didn't produce it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I didn't produce it. No, I didn't <laughs> produce it. I think, I, I guess it's self-produced in that case. Um, but yeah, I, I listened to it and I love it. I think the, the instrumental drop especially, it's like, it's just gorgeous. The sounds going on, the sound design. Absolutely love it. Yeah. And I like the lyrics as well. I thought that quite deep yeah quite deep in parts very good song good good shit um so my next recommendation is oh goodness there's a there's a surname i'm going to put <laughs> there's I'm a sorry, name sorry uh grant notch Nocky. yeah i was Notche. thinking notch not uh yeah uh intrusive thoughts it is just so like sultry sexy the, the, or oh, the production they've got this like distortion effect on the lead vocal where it's all like silky and like 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 oh it's just it's just great the lyrics are so cool i love it i was like i was a little bit tight in my chest when i first listened to it i was like oh you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah when i was searching each song to listen from your selection <laughs> i i didn't realize that I'd actually had this on my playlist for a while before. So I oh, had really? actually heard it. This is a real, like you said, the production. Oh, I love it. Really good song. 10 out of 10 pop. Cool. So my next choice for this month is from an artist called Souvenir. Somebody I found when I was playing new queer music on Gadio at five in the morning. Um, I think they're from the US. Uh, pop music, uh, 
guy. <laughs> I guess is the best way I can describe this. Um, possibly one of my favourites of his. I really like this this sound. It's very Ooh. polished pop, I would say. When when I listen to this, I tell you, oh my goodness. It's one of those pop songs that makes you feel like you're going through, like absolutely superbly done. Like I felt what he's saying he's going through and I'm not really going through that in my life right now, but you know what I mean? It's like oh. when there's a really good breakup song and you're like, why did you leave me? And oh, you didn't I absolutely me. adore the lyric. Karma's not your friend and neither am I. I love it. It's kind of serving reputation era production, I feel yes. like. I just love it. Actually, it is. I just absolutely, it's kind of like Getaway Kari. Like, I really love it. Yes. I didn't, I didn't know about Souvenir before, but like, I'm definitely going to yeah. be following him Get him on your forwards. watch list. It, yeah. Really good track. Yeah. Um, so my next one is Bentley Robles. I think I heard that it's pronounced Robles. Oh God, okay, I've been saying that um, one too then. <laughs> and Z Machine, See Me Naked. It's kind of serving Eurovision a little bit it, it, to me. Oh like it's, yeah, It's I got that kind that, of energy. Actually, yeah. yeah, and I just, you know, it's just, it's just good pop music. And it's also very unashamedly gay, which is Which cool. we like. We yeah. do like that. We like that here on this podcast. Yeah. Speaking of unashamedly <laughs> queer, actually, um, uh, Tom Rasmussen is uh, an artist whose album I am recommending um, for my next spotlight, which is I've spotlighted the track Look At Me. The whole album, though, is iconic. They're a non-binary artist who supported Rina Sawayama on her uh, uh-huh. UK tour last year. I saw them perform some of these tracks live, which, oh, even better live. <laughs> Incredible. I love the little interludes that they have in this album as well. So you go through a few tracks and then you get like an interlude. You've got... Uh, Travis Alabanza on there, Sean Faye, Princess Julia, with like little spoken word interludes. Oh, it's it's an incredible cool. fourteen track queer album that came out at the end of March. So I was listening to it for most of April. It's called Bodybuilding, <laughs> and it's by Tom Rasmussen. And the track I've added to our playlist is the iconic "Look at Me." I I think Look At Me is so incredible. I haven't had a chance to listen to the full album yet, but Look At Me is wild. That's like an experience. Yeah. It feels so, I don't know, yeah, like liberating, I guess. And that sample is everything, of course. It is, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it just the best? Yeah. Uh, so So my final recommendation for the week honestly had me gagged when I first heard it. Um, it's Elizabeth Electra with their new song, The Dream. Uh, it's like synth pop, like edgy. It's kind of like a more like rock leaning kind of, I would say like, it's kind of like sounding like half like bad romance, but a lot more like gothic leaning and like rock leaning. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. I, and that hook is, just, oh. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I have like a thing it. for synths right now in my like life. I love them. When I heard <laughs> this, I was so annoyed with myself because I think I follow Elizabeth Electra and I knew that this had come out, but it hadn't come into like my release radar and stuff. Uh... So 
it wasn't on my radar and it now is on my main playlist because when I heard this, I was like, well, this is a bit of me. <laughs> fucking love this. <laughs> Give me more. Yeah, definitely. I love it. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's just dreamy and ah, it's called The Dream as well. So it's yeah. per- oh, perfect. It's great production. would recommend to a friend. Yeah. Oh, it's just me now with my yeah. last track. Um, yeah. Which is another album recommendation. I'm sorry, I've had I, I had four albums that were originally going to be recommended. I, la- I narrowed it down to two, and it's the two gay ones. Yeah, so this is uh, the new album from Cub Sport. Little backstory. I know there's two minutes on the recording. Thank you, fucking Zencaster, for your new subscription method. <laughs> um, okay, Cub Sport are a band who have been on my radar for years since like the 2018 days of Gadio when people would say like have you heard of Cub Sport and I'd go no and they'd be really shocked because they're like but they're right up your street um <laughs> so there's I've sort of been aware of them but just never looked and listened properly then they released this new album called Jesus at the Gay Bar and when I tell you I am fucking obsessed with this album start to finish Last year, around the same time, an album came out that kind of changed my summer, my life, everything in between, by Real Lies. It's called Lad Ash. If you've not Uh, heard that, get that into your fucking lives. This Mm. is the 2023 version of that for me. This is an incredible album, an incredible journey through queerness, through life, through love, through heartbreak, through so many different emotions. And the track that I've spotlighted on our playlist is called Replay because it is just the personification of things that I'm going through right now and that I really just want to express. And I think it's possibly in the running for track of the year for me. That is, uh, that's how I'm selling that one. It is my album of the year so far. Wow. A long shot. I think I think I listen to replay and songs about it, and I I think that they both have this this nostalgia to them. It's just like dripping in nostalgia. It's so beautiful. I was I was absolutely stunned. And replay like had such an original production. This random like bass drop spoken section. It was just really kept you on your toes, and it was like so exciting. I loved it. Yeah. And with that, another episode of Pop Goes Capitalism comes to an end i love that i thought oh yeah we're gonna hit an hour this time we're actually gonna hit an hour um these deep dives we're just going too deep kieran maybe maybe next yeah. month we should uh well this month come to think of it we should yeah. uh maybe maybe try and keep it a little bit shorter but who knows because uh this month is eurovision month which is coming up quite soon so Woo-hoo. if you're a fan of eurovision you might just get a little extra bonus episode on this feed around the time of the Eurovish. So much fun. Thank you so much. It's I've been really excited for this one for a long time now. Oh, and it has too. not let me down. And you did it. You did your first deep dive. Yay! I feel I feel soaking wet. <laughs> I guess. A what, deep what, dive. What, what does that mean? I, I heard I don't, I don't know what you actually said, but it sounded like you said, I feel so king wet. Soaking wet. Oh, soaking. Yeah. Like I a deep dive, like you know? King Charles and also wet. But, um, oh, soaking. no, they don't go together. No. So king wet. <laughs> it does sound like so king It does, wet. yeah. 
Okay. Something with my accent in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, do pray for uh, everybody in the uh, feckin' UK right now. Cause yeah. The feckin' yeah. The, the royals. Yeah. And if you're in the UK, please stay safe on Saturday. Um, <laughs> be careful. They'll be everywhere. Lock the doors, close the curtains, maybe put up a Union Jack or two just to protect yourself and blend in. I've got know, a button and... that camouflages my house in Union Jacks. <laughs> Quick, bring up the flags. <laughs> Hide the trans flags. <laughs> Run! Oh, <laughs> Swearing allegiance to... Well, that's treason. Um, have we ended out the podcast? Not properly. Okay. Should <laughs> we do think... like a? Should we do like a proper? We will see you for Eurovision. Woo!